The best rugby insight and analysis. OTB Sports Rugby. They don't look like the All Blacks. They're not playing like the All Blacks. They're barely clinging on. They never really looked like they would win Test 2 or 3. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. We're turning to one of the two big stories from the world of football. It's uh, finished 4-0, obviously, between Brentford and Manchester United. You know that by now. But what's the future? I'm delighted to say Andy Mitten is with us again this morning. Andy, it's hard to know where to start with this. Um, we were talking about the, the pie chart of blame. It's obviously the Glazers. It's the football people at the club. It's the players. It's the current manager you kind of not given a free pass to, but certainly you'd be concerned about the start. In that hierarchy of, of um, who, who bears responsibility for this, uh, how, much, how much time needs to be spent talking about the players and how they are performing at the moment? Well, they're partly culpable because they're the ones on the pitch who can do something about it and they're failing. Same with, with the manager. So I don't think you can put all of the blame onto any one party but that first half at Brentford was horrific four goals in in 25 minutes and the players failed to follow through the manager's tactical instructions you could equally say that the manager failed with those tactical instructions because uh, Brentford like Brighton a week before um, successfully targeted and exploited what they perceived to be Manchester United's uh, weaknesses uh, in free kicks, in, in throw-ins from set pieces and and down the middle as well. And they succeeded just like Brighton had done. So talk about the players, you can talk about the manager and then you can talk about the wider issues such as the, the ownership at the club, which has seen a pretty long-term decline in, in Manchester United. Uh, it doesn't feel like there is a short-term fix to any of this at the moment. Like, unless three world-class players are suddenly signed and transform the team's fortunes, that uh, this is a, a long-term dig-in, battle in the trenches, and you're, you're kind of thinking, who are the leaders going to be of that part of the project? And then it comes back to Ten Hag. And um, what have you seen so far that gives you any confidence or comfort about the fact that he is going to be the right man for this job? I, I saw a very positive pre-season um, you, you mentioned the word leaders. I, I spoke to Bruno Fernandes two weeks ago about leadership and it's pretty convincing uh, with, with what he said. But I, I take your first point. There's going to be no quick fixes here, at least to my knowledge. And it's a very worrying start to the season for Manchester United, beaten deservedly so in the first two games against teams who are unlikely to be in the top four in the Premier League this season. So it, it, it's alarming. And it's not just this season. The defeat of Brentford was the seventh consecutive league defeat for Manchester United. You've got to go back to 1936 to find out when that last happened. So that's why fans are, are furious um, with, with good reason. Um, I think that any new manager deserves time, and that includes Eric Ten Hag, he needs support, he needs to be able to bring in more of the players that he wants to bring in. But again, this isn't going to be turned around in weeks or even months. Um, the problem they've got is it's just the latest instalment of what seems to be a continuing story of of hire and fire and 
United, I'm sure, have intentions to be patient and support the managers and would argue that the managers have been supported in terms of the players that they've signed. So we bring in a, another factor here, which is the recruitment. United, have, uh, the, the scouting department, has regularly identified players, emerging talents, who the club should be signing for one reason or another, those players have not been signed and lots of them have gone on to be very successful elsewhere. Whereas lots of the players who Manchester United have signed have, have underperformed and underwhelmed. Are they signing players still who the manager wants? Uh, it's like, of course they have to sign players who the manager wants. And previously we were given to understand that Solskjaer would have had the, the veto on, on players coming and going and, it seemed like there was a, a, a sense, at least, that Solskjaer wanted to play a certain way and the players were bought to suit him. It just feels, in the long run, ultimately you end up with a collection of players that Jose Mourinho wanted, you end up with a collection of players that uh, Solskjaer wanted, you end up with a collection of players that Ten Hag wanted, as opposed to a collection of players who are Manchester United players. And so, therefore, whoever comes in is going to be able to mould them to what it is that they're trying to achieve week in, week out. Yeah, that, that's fair comment. Jose Mourinho and, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer did mould them into something resembling a coherent team. They both finished second in the league, which is a, a big achievement for, for both of them. And the players there now is a collection of players going right back to when Sir Alex Ferguson was there, all been signed by different managers. But then you, you do get that at other clubs as well. If you look at some of the biggest clubs in the world, they're, they're full of players who've been signed by different managers. But there seems to be a lacking strategy um, from Manchester United. What was supposed to happen was uh, uh, a a new football structure was put in place, which would see to better recruitment, better better signings. And we've yet to see the evidence of that. John Murta is working very hard this summer to bring players in and three players have arrived and none have convinced really so far. Maybe Terrell Malassia, who did, did well in the second half against Brentford. But the main target, Frankie de Jong, is still to arrive. So that shows it's a very difficult market for Manchester United to get the players in. But that doesn't wash with fans who are seeing other clubs getting players in, winning football matches. And United will always be judged by results. And if you look at the league table right now, Manchester United are bottom of the league. Now, that's only two games in. It's still very, very early. But the calendar year 2022 has been horrific for Manchester United. In fact, if you go back to last October and September... Uh, first of all, with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer losing his job, it's been a really, really poor period for Manchester United. And that's why we're talking about where the blame should be apportioned now in, the, in this conversation. Uh, what happened yesterday? Uh, like, what's your information beyond the fact that they obviously had to run 13.8 kilometres in training to make up for the kilometres that they did not run against Brentford? Yeah, I was told that the players were, were called in for training. It was, it was supposed to be a, a day off. Uh, I was supposed to have one myself, but when Manchester United lose football matches like that, my phone doesn't stop. It's quite ironic that your words and get get read more in times like this than any others. And I get more calls from media outlets as well when Manchester United are losing rather than winning. It's just such a huge story. I actually went to Barcelona on Saturday night. I watched Frankie de Jong. Um, my next game will be Manchester United-Liverpool. I don't want to put too much thought, thought in, in, into that one. But the Barcelona story, even though that's a big one, it just pales completely to, to how big Manchester United is. So the players were uh, were in training, in the heat. 
um, at Carrington, the manager's got to quickly try and make some sense uh, of all this because I felt he did successfully build uh, some form of confidence pre-season. He picked the mood off the floor. I was there at all of those games and there were lots of encouraging signs and that all just went pop and crashing down to earth with the defeat against Brighton and got even worse with the defeat against Brentford. And it looks really daunting now for Manchester United. Look at the next opponents, Liverpool, as I said, um, Southampton, that'll be a draw because United always draw at Southampton in August. Uh, Leicester away, Leicester scored four past United last season and then Arsenal at Old Trafford. So these are really worrying times for Manchester United fans. Everything just feels so existential all the time, doesn't it? That you mentioned it's, of course, it, like it goes back a long time. This is not just uh, a new, this doesn't feel like a new season. It feels like a continuation of a previous one. But it feels that everything bad that goes wrong at Manchester United is just amplified times a million. And that comes with the the territory of being a huge club. But it also just comes with the legacy of, of fans being unhappy with how the club has run, despite the success that they had to distract themselves from, from that during the year. like There, there is no other sports organisation adventure in the world that could lose one or two games at the start of a season and it feels like the whole world is ending. Maybe Real Madrid and Barcelona with similarities there. I remember a, a rookie manager called Joseph Guardiola losing his first game at, at Barcelona and people saying, this guy's not cut out for management, he's a disgrace and... So you, I would always be wary of knee-jerk reactions, but I think the worries of a lot of United fans are, are, are genuine and they're well-founded, and it's not just about these, these two results. As I said, seven consecutive home defeats. And United is a huge story. So I've got editors saying to me, more, 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 your stuff's getting record number of hits. I'm like, oh, thanks. I'd, I'd much be rather writing about a successful Manchester United team, but it shows what humans are like, don't they? Humans like to stop and look at car crashes, they like to peer over the the mess, the carcass. Um, and, and Manchester United is a mess at the moment. And people are fascinated by it. It's like, I used the line yesterday, it's like a ghoulish soap opera for the fans who are going to the matches. But the fans still go, they sell out the tickets. You couldn't get a spare ticket for Brentford on Saturday. It was really, really hard. Liverpool next week, um, there's talk of protest, but it's still a really hard ticket. So in some ways, logic doesn't apply and you can use that as a positive or a negative. You can say the loyalty to the fans is, is incredible, but you could also say that loyalty is also the reason why the, the Glazers took over in the first place. That um, point you make about the protest, we've actually had a comment in. Can you ask Andy Mitten about whether the reported boycott of the Liverpool game will take place? I'm supposed to go over next week and I've spent 400 quid. I don't want to go over to stand outside Old Trafford. It's M Lawler who's asking that. Well, that... Um, is absolutely entitled to go inside Old Trafford and use the ticket which has been purchased for the game. I, I think with boycotts, it's always risky. Several have been tried over the years. None have really fully come off. There is a lot of anger in the air among Manchester United fans, so I'm sure there will be protests. Maybe uh, a bigger pre-match protest than we saw against Brighton, which was three or four 100, 100 strong and there's lots of ideas bubbling around and the club don't have a problem with um, le- legitimate and peaceful uh, process uh, protests. I think they understand why the fans uh, are angry um, and online you've got so many people with the solutions but it's such a complicated issue as well 
fans who go to matches hate being told what to do by fans who don't go to matches. And people are saying, well, if no one goes inside Old Trafford for the game, then the Glazers will quickly tire of this. And I think there's a genuine point there. If Old Trafford was empty, then it would be a worldwide story, just as it was when the, the game against Liverpool um, was cancelled because of because of other protests. So there's lots of areas of uh, which United fans are talking about in terms of protest. I think sometimes the strongest protest just comes from within in terms of the, the reaction inside the stadium, the fans making their feelings clear. And looking at that Liverpool game, it looks absolutely daunting. You just wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool put four or five past Manchester United right now. From somewhere, Manchester United have got to, to, to recover. Um, it can't be as bad as they're playing, surely. These are good players individually. A lot of them are good. They're not that good, but they're not that bad. Someone that might be that bad. Harry Maguire might not be up to playing football for Manchester United at this level. Although they spent eighty million, the fallacy of some costs would suggest that continuing to play him is actually going to end up in the long run being worse for the club than actually cutting your your um, your losses. And then there's obviously the issue of the goalkeeper and whether or not he suits the new manager style. It appears, and the evidence would seem to suggest that they're not a good fit. That's not not to say that he can't play well for certain managers with certain styles but for Ten Hag he might not be the right guy despite what Ten Hag says it, it doesn't look good good at the moment does it at all and you mentioned two players uh, I could go through the whole squad none of them have performed so far uh, this season the bottom line is Ten Hag's the manager and he chooses them and he lives and dies by those decisions um, you cannot continue to have players playing poorly um, playing all the time. The goalkeeper situation is more complicated because Dean Henderson was was let go. He's on loan at Nottingham Forest. Uh, we saw him playing really well in Forest's first Premier League game for 23 years. Uh, the the next goalkeeper at the moment is Tom Heaton. So I, I understood throughout the summer that Manchester United were looking at bringing another goalkeeper in. That may happen. Uh, to be fair to David De Gea, he, he took blame and stood up and fronted up after the game at, at Brentford. But again, what does that mean when you've lost uh, 4-0? All of these players are still getting paid huge amounts um, and underperforming in their duties as Manchester United plays. It's really, really not good enough. And at the end of the game, the players went over to the away fans and they thanked them for the support, fair enough. And they got a, a, a clear reaction from the away fans as to how they felt as well. There's, there's, there's mutiny in the air among a lot of Manchester United fans at the moment. There's absolute fury around among the fans at the moment because um, it has been so bad. And what happens when United start playing the top teams? It really shouldn't be coming to this. I've seen Manchester... The lowest I've seen United finish in the table was uh, 13th under, under Sir Alex Ferguson in uh, 1990. But even though United were, were, were big payers then, um, United were coming off of a spell in the 80s when Liverpool had been so dominant. Everton was successful too, but United didn't have the financial power that they have now. The current players are among the best paid players in the world. The level of underachievement is staggering. That moment when the fans let the players know what they thought of them on Saturday, uh, there was some disagreement between Ronaldo and, and Steve McLaren after that, where is it, is Ronaldo just doesn't go over to the fans. Is that is that right? He went partly towards okay. the fans, and then he then he turned back, and there 
look to be a disagreement. I don't know what words were, were spoken there. The issue of Ronaldo needs sorting out. That's what I do know. Is he going to stay and give it his best? Or does he want to go? If he wants to go, let him go. Um, and it's a problem. It is a problem. I can argue both sides. If he stays, then Manchester United keep a very popular, proven goal scorer. Uh, but again, this is on the manager. The manager's got to make some really big decisions. You mentioned Maguire, De Gea, Ronaldo. The, the manager had the respect of the players pre-season. And I think he genuinely is a good coach. Uh, but he's got to make some really tough decisions now. Harder to make those decisions when the players you've wanted have not yet been been brought in. So Manchester United need to bring some players in before the end of this this transfer window. That's another factor as well. It's okay. It's relatively straightforward to make those decisions if you think you're going to get the benefit of long-term support. So say, for example, he was to somehow find a buyer or whatever to get rid of those players out of the squad and not have the, them be replaced at a finish of 12th or 13th. Does Ten Hag get the benefit then of like actually adding in the new players and getting the year of experience that the young players get next year? Or is there is that cycle of boom and bust, or bust and bust as it is at the moment, uh, going to follow? Is he, does he have the confidence that he actually has enough long range here to be able to say okay actually you know what Ronaldo that's fine you you, you go and we're not going to pick Harry Maguire because actually ultimately it's not my job that, to get a transfer fee for him and um, or does he feel like he'll just get fired at the end of the season if they finish 13th you say it's okay moving players on it's, it's really difficult Ronaldo has been offered to probably a dozen clubs in Europe this summer and none of them have taken him so it's difficult the only offer I understand which has been uh, credible was from a club in, in Saudi Arabia, which obviously the, the player has not, has not chosen to do that. I think now Ten Hag will be getting reassured that he's going to be supported. And I think United have supported their managers. They've given each of them a couple of years, uh, apart from David Moyes, who got who got nine months. Um, and they've, been, they've backed them in terms of buying players. The recruitment has not been good. Um, and we're judging this with the benefit of hindsight because at the time when players like Bastian Schweinsteiger were, were signed to come in I remember United fans thinking great, great, great and they're just not working out so why are they not working out? I think that Ten Hag will be getting reassured at the moment um, it's not a situation that he had with Ralph Rangnick where relationships were breaking down after a month of him uh, being there um, United have got to support Ten Hag He's the manager. He's the man who's been chosen to, to lead the team. And there's no choice but to support him. This isn't Real Madrid. I remember once speaking to Carlos Queiroz and he was manager of Real Madrid and his president, who made all the decisions, didn't speak to him from September until the end of the season when he sacked him. And that's the way that that, that, that club works. And somehow it does work for them. Um, I think at Manchester United, it's very inclusive in terms of Supporting and communicating with the manager, um, looking at his, his objectives, the players he wants to bring in. But the whole system is not working. And again, you've got to go back to the owners. The owners are making these, these appointments. This isn't something new. This isn't us moaning because United have been winning trophies. The, the, one of the biggest clubs in the world has not won a trophy now for five years. It's failing. It is failure. This is what failure looks like. And you've got owners on the other side of the 
Atlantic, who are deeply unpopular with fans. So that adds nothing at all to the the mood. It just detracts from the mood, just like they extract money in terms of the dividends they pay. They say they're comfortable with those dividends as they are with the debt. But are you asking me if the, the Glazers are competent owners? I'd really struggle to say that they are. I think uh, that's clear. Like that's definitely clear, and a lot of sympathy with the the United fans who who want a change of ownership. And like a change of ownership is is as likely to happen as not at this point. You know, we're not going to hear about it really until it actually happens. But American sports franchises get sold all the time. That's the model they're used to. We're probably entering a period of uh, global uncertainty where they might feel like the assets at its peak at the moment, particularly with the way things are going on the field. So. Maybe they take an eight billion offer and they cash out, and, and the United fans are happy. Is it true? Look, the, the the speculation is that there is corporate pressure on the club to keep Ronaldo because of his value in driving eyeballs from a content perspective. Do you think that's true? That actually the manager might want to cancel the contract and let him go to Sporting, but there is corporate pressure to say you can't do that because actually that's going to cost us at some level. I've, I've heard it, but I've not had any hard evidence of that. Um, and to be fair to United, they, they have let the managers do what they want to do. Again, this is not Real Madrid, where you've got somebody saying, this player has got to play. Again, Real Madrid keep winning everything, so maybe that, that's, that is the, the way forward. And I don't think it is, but I think that, Ronaldo's numbers in terms of the commercial value that he brought to the club are definitely high and definitely important. But then he's the best paid player in the Premier League. He's one of the best paid players in the world. So there's a pro and con for him staying or going. I think the bottom line is if he's adding to the team and to the dressing room, then he should stay. And if he's not, then he should go. Like if he wants to go, then he then he then he should go. Um I've only been told of one example, which I can completely back up with my sources, and that was several years ago, Anthony Martial, a club were interested in him, and it was put to him, no, 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 the Glazers won't allow Martial to be sold. Uh, and there was another time when Jose Mourinho wanted to get rid of Martial and was told the same thing. Uh, now I think, well, up until the start of this season, United would have sold Anthony Martial, but I've heard the rumours about uh, Cristiano, but I speak to people at the club all the time. I've got a lot of sources there. I've done this for a long, long time, and I've not heard that where I could back it up and okay. go to court and say I've got confidence in my sources there. Why do the Glazers love Anthony Martial so much? Um, well, this would be going back three or four years. I think they thought that he was going to be the next Pele right. or Messi or Maradona, um, which probably shows how much the Glazers know about football. One other question I had, Andy, just you say there that the Glazers, not the Glazers, the, the, I guess the structure at the, the club allows the manager to do what he wants to do. Now, I know that recruitment isn't the only issue. I mean, the the, the players that, that are there should be doing better than they are. But when it comes to recruitment, does Ten Hag almost have too much power or has he got too much influence over the players that they're signing? Like, I mean, it, it does feel like Ten Hag's ideas have been the ideas that they've run with in the offseason with regards to their signings. And of course, the manager should have a huge say in it. But you look around at some of the other clubs, whether it's Bagheerastein or Edu, and, and they're kind of making up a, a very uh, coherent transfer strategy. It feels that that is totally lacking uh, at Manchester United and they're happy enough to almost subtly 
allow the blame to land at the door of the manager because these are Ten Hag's players? It, it feels like it because it is. It, the manager is getting the players that he wants to bring in at the moment. This is against a backdrop of fans being circumspect because players were signed by by Ed Woodward, who fans felt this. there's no planning gone into this. This has been a call from the agent at, at the last minute. Uh, Bagiristin is probably the, the best example of a club which does it well. You've got the sports director working in tandem with the manager. There's respect there. There's a long-standing relationship and it doesn't exist at Manchester United at the moment. You've got a scouting department identifying players. I could give you 20 players now who Manchester United have identified over the years and I've either gone for him or passed on the player and it doesn't reflect well on the fact that United have managed to pull it off. Now, clubs are never going to get all the players that they want. United are not as attractive as the club used to be. United put a huge amount of work into Jude Bellingham, for example, and ultimately his family decided to that, that he would be better playing first-team football uh, in Dortmund. I think United are pretty clean in terms of the way that they negotiate. Um, maybe to a fault. I spoke to people at FC Barcelona last week and they said Manchester United have been very correct. Uh, But I spoke to a former player a year ago who said United have lost uh, the ability to do the dark arts of transfers in terms of getting players in. So am I going to criticise a club for not being corrupt there? No, I'm I'm not. Um, But the bottom line is the players who the club won um, are, are not coming in. And... They're tracking. They're getting them at really early stages in their career. So, I saw last week Sesko moved from Salzburg to Leipzig. United had him at sixteen, and there were big complications with the agents, which sometimes happens, and it's still happening because agents look at United and think there's real money there. We can pull the pants down. And part of me respects Manchester United for saying, no, we're, we're not having that. But the bottom line is if United keep on missing out on the players that end up being successful, that is also a worry. You've got a scouting department who are bringing the players forward who are now being ignored because the manager uh, is having his say. So that leads to more dysfunction and, and more frustration uh, within the club, all along being driven by fans who want more and more players. And, to be honest, at the moment, I can understand why fans want more players because the ones on the pitch are not achieving like they should be doing. Andy, great to have you with us this morning. Thanks a million for making the time for us. Cheers. Thank you. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.